So we are continuing, of course, the season of Advent that we're in as we prepare to celebrate Christ's first coming and celebrate that every year we do on Christmas Day. And we also anticipate for his return. We wait for his second coming. Now, Jesus has come in the flesh, and yet things have not been fully restored. And the struggles that we're going to hear shortly from ancient Israel in their day are also the struggles today. The questions of their day are still questions of our day. And most importantly, the God of their day is still the God for us today. And so the theme of our Advent season is asking the question, as we heard through the opening, what are you waiting for? And today we are waiting for strength. So we're going to look at Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11, and chapter 40 is a what's called a transition passage because the first 39 chapters of isaiah refer to judgment they refer to punishment and so now isaiah transitions to promises and blessing the first call in chapter 40 is comfort and the people are in exile in babylon and the prophet needs to give them hope and hope is in the promise that judah's hard service is complete and that all their sins have been paid for the time is coming that the Lord will again show up for them. So before we read from Isaiah 40, let's come to our God in prayer. Father God, you were faithful centuries ago, and you continue to be faithful today. And so we pray for your presence and power as we read from the prophet Isaiah. Bless our reading and the message, our listening, our waiting, and our response. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 40, 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his re recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So at this time, in Isaiah's writing, the people of Israel were beginning to return from their captivity in Babylon. For decades, the people had been in exile in Babylon. Their temple 
in Jerusalem had been destroyed. Their cities were ruined. God's chosen people had been taken out of their homeland. Generations of kids were growing up in a different environment and a different culture. And it wasn't easy. And yes, now they're returning. And you know what? Even though they're returning to their homeland, transition will still be difficult. The ancient people of Israel realized the challenges and brokenness in this world. They experienced it. That there is sin in this world. There is sin in each of our lives. And because we continue to live in a world of sin and a broken, dysfunctional world, things in this world will disappoint. There's going to be hurts. There will be abandonment. There will be times of wilderness wandering and times of exile. So the questions that loomed were, what do the people have to hold on to during these times of frustration and during these times that can be so disappointing? Where can they find strength? In this passage of Scripture, the people were needing strength. They were needing encouragement. This was a remnant of Israel who looked back at their past and recognized their failures and sins. And so as we go through this passage this morning, we're going to look at four messages of strength, encouragement, and grace for the people. And wouldn't you know it, all these four messages happen to begin with the letter P. That letter P, they're going to help us remember those four messages this morning. In our faith formation classes and in other messages over the pulpit, many of you have heard, we've heard the repeated phrase, God initiates, we respond. God initiates, we respond. God initiates, and here's where the four P's come in, God initiates his pardon. He initiates his providence. He initiates his promise, and he initiates his peace. So pardon, providence, promise, and peace. And pastors usually like to tag on an extra point, of course. So after the four points, there's going to be one more point to make. Because when God initiates, we respond. And so we're going to respond with that fifth P. We profess. The nation of Israel had forsaken the Lord their God. They sinned greatly against God. They worshipped other idols. They were selfish. They weren't concerned about their fellow brothers and sisters. They lived an immoral life and they didn't respond to God's will. But although that they had turned away from God, God had not turned away from them. So in verses 1 to 2, the people receive a message of pardon. The people are called to be comforted. In fact, God says to Isaiah, like, speak tenderly to them. And the first message of pardon is because their sins have been paid for. All their sins have been covered. Then Isaiah states that they are going to receive a double portion. Now, in this double portion, actually, where it says it in this passage, it's not clear, actually, whether it means they're going to receive double punishment or double forgiveness. But it really doesn't matter because either way, God is showing his people mercy. They don't get what they deserve. Instead, they get complete forgiveness. So as God's people today, we too receive encouragement and strength from God in having been pardoned. 
We receive complete forgiveness of all our sins. In a couple weeks, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we're reminded that God sent his one and only son to seek and to save the lost. That Jesus came to bring forgiveness and he came to bring salvation to those who have faith in him. And those who follow him. People of God, God initiates his pardon, his forgiveness. And so as we proceed in this passage to verses 3 to 5, the people now receive a message of providence. God provides. The Jews were returning to their country and to their city, and again, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. But Isaiah states to the people that God's going to go ahead of you. He's going to precede them in all their activities. And this verse is referring to John the Baptist, actually, centuries later, who will prepare a, a way for the king, for Jesus Christ to enter into the world. But it's also a message of hope and strength. Because God, who cares so many years ahead, will also care for today and for tomorrow. You see, God cares. God provides. So as God's people today, we have God continuing to provide for his people. In the Gospel of Matthew 6, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. But God will provide. He, he says in Matthew 6 that he will provide for the creatures of the earth, of his creation. And if he's going to pr provide for various creatures and plants, he will continue to provide for his people. He will provide for our needs. And our greatest need is forgiveness and salvation. In Psalm 23, we are reminded by King David that the Lord is our shepherd. And when, when he is our shepherd, we won't be in need of anything else. Because the Lord provides for his people. In Isaiah 40, verses 4 to 5, we read, that, we read the passage there that the, the valleys are going to be raised up. The mountains will be flattened. The ground will become level. The rough and rugged places in Israel will become flat. There's some major road work going on in this country. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. The glory of the Lord is the Lord's power and presence. The glory of the Lord is going to be visible to the people as they return to Jerusalem. And not just to Jerusalem and to Judah, but all humankind will see the glory of the Lord. God is going ahead of his people to prepare a path. God precedes his people. He precedes us. In, in all our struggles, in our tasks, we can't help but see God at work, even in the midst of sin and brokenness. God is in control of this world, the world and all those who belong to him. And not a hair, we read in scripture, not a hair will fall from our heads without the will of our Father in heaven. God initiates his providence to his people. We continue to read in verses 6 to 8. The people receive now a message of promise. The Jews had seen firsthand that, as Scripture says, that people are like grass. And grass withers. And the people of Assyria and Babylon, they were gone. Just like grass and flowers go, leaders and nations and, and people fade away. But one thing that remains... As scripture says, is God's word. God's word remains forever. And what is, meant by, what is meant by God's word is his promises. 
His promises never fail. God's promises are fulfilled. People, our lives, our lives are frail. Our lives, they have a time limit. But the promises of God do not. His promises are kept. He is faithful. Old Testament passage, Numbers 23, 19, we read, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And the answer, of course, is no. God promises, and he fulfills his promises. And as God's people today, we can look back at God's promises and how they were fulfilled. Many of the Old Testament promises were fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. Some people sometimes say, ah, you know what, we really don't need the Old Testament. We can just do with the New Testament. No, we need the Old Testament because Jesus refers back to the Old Testament so many times, so often affirming that God's promises have been fulfilled in the New Testament. And then we also have in the New Testament where Jesus came down to earth and he lived among his people, Jesus also promised that he never leaves us alone because of the Holy Spirit who continues to give us strength. And when Jesus had promised that he will come again, he will return. And that gives us hope and assurance and strength to face each and every day, despite any circumstances that might surround us. You see, God initiates his promises. So we have pardon, we have providence, and we have promise. And now the fourth message is found in verses 9 to 11. And this is a message of peace. You see, after centuries of living with bad news and and exile, the people are now receiving some good news. God is here among them. And it says in this passage that he comes with power. That's another P. Comes with power. And the power is not to overtake his people. The power is to pardon, to provide, to promise, and the power is to give them peace. God tends to his people like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs. He he carries them in his arms and close to his heart. He gently leads his people. So the passage closes off with these words and a picture of peace. And that peace of God remains with us today. Despite the chaos in this world, we're given a peace that passes all understanding. The Lord is our shepherd, and he will lie us down beside quiet waters, and he will protect us, and he will watch over us. We are like lambs who are cared for by the shepherd. God gives us his peace. And then there's one more message, as we said. As we said, God initiates his pardon, his providence, his promises, and his peace. And when God initiates... We are called to respond. And so the fifth message comes from the people. It is a message that comes from a response to God's messages. It is a message of profession. Today, we were blessed to see four young adults respond to the promises made by God at their baptism years ago. And today they publicly profess their faith in their Lord and Savior. 
And as mentioned through that reading too, this is not just a one-time event. We are called to continue to profess our faith. If you want to add some more letter P's to this word, we profess, we proclaim, we praise the name of Jesus. For all that God has done for his people, we have the opportunity to respond in profession. New Testament passage where Paul writes in Philippians 2, we read that Jesus emptied himself as God. And Jesus came to this earth as a baby. He came for the four of you who made public profession of faith this morning. He came for his church. He came for his people. Jesus died and he was exalted to the highest place. And our response in Philippians 2, 10 through 11 reads like this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For those of you who made public profession of faith today, it's a celebration. And it's a journey. And again, it's not a graduation, but it's a continuation of your faith journey. And for others who have made public profession of faith in the past, may you continue to profess your faith. May you continue to profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. And maybe there's some who have not professed these words. May you be open to the Holy Spirit of Jesus at work in your life. May you see all that God has done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. All those P's that we heard this morning. Pardon and providence and promise and peace. May you see the amazing grace that God has initiated in your life. And may you respond. May you respond in professing your faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And as you leave this service today and go through this week and beyond, go with God's strength. Go with his pardon, with his providence, his promises, and his peace. And go and profess. Profess that there is hope that there is light and that we are given strength to face tomorrow through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior.